and we are live. This is Daniel Burnett with trainlikearanger.com. Today, my guest is uh, Sam Dabble. What's going on, Sam? Hey, how's it going, Daniel? So we did some talking uh, before this podcast and uh, talking about some bullet points. And uh, I've obviously kept kept uh, kept up with you. We're friends, and and uh, you're doing some really cool stuff now. You're you're an actor. So tell us about you know kind of what you're doing now. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm out in New York City. Um, I've been out here for about two years. Um, I came out here in end of 2017. Um, started acting early 2018, um, and I've been acting sense, a lot of film stuff, uh, some commercial stuff, um, was gaining a lot of, a lot more traction than I had previously in my career and, and really felt good about things uh, right before COVID hit. And then the, uh, the industry basically completely shut down out here. There's, there was nothing, nothing filming, nothing shooting, theater all closed. I think Broadway doesn't open till next year. Um, it really shut down. So I was, pretty much doing nothing, uh, waiting for all of this stuff to end. Um, I think I was kind of like everybody else where I was like, oh, it's going to be a few weeks, you know, two, three weeks, whatever, it'll be fine. And then it turned into a couple months. Um, and then uh, kind of to get over, I was kind of in a little bit of a dark place because I think, I think when you have, you know, a th- something to do and like a motivation and that goes away, you, c- you can easily get into a pretty dark place. Um, so I was there and uh, I've kind of always written, but I've never really sat down and wrote and I had so much time that I I had a story that I wanted to tell and I sat down and I I wrote it and in about two and a half three months um, I edited it I hired two other people to edit it Um, I hired somebody to do the cover page the back page and uh, I just last week published um, a book on Amazon self-published it uh, called Dear Monica Um, and that's pretty much what I'm doing now Um, acting starting to pick up just a little bit Um, averaging like maybe two auditions a week and then uh just promoting the book and, and starting another one yeah that's super cool because you know writing a book is no small feat i announced that uh, actually i was going to write a book more from a humorous side of uh yeah. of like you know kind of my journey it, through the military and you know because that's become a, a big part of this business uh and what really kicked my business off was covid as well so that's kind of funny you mentioned that like i was uh i was doing in-person personal training yeah and uh at several different places and then uh covid hit and that kind of went out the window and basically i started building more on my online side because they were literally just like you can't you can't come in here and work exactly yeah and it was like that for months and i was like the hell am I going to do? So, you know, I started, I started plugging at the online stuff and then I grew to love it. And I was like, uh, you know, I've, I've had a lot of success with it. And so I keep plugging in at it and it's kind of evolving and I'm just kind of yeah. going with my gut and letting it evolve. Um, yeah. I think one of the things like, you know, we always talk about like things you learn from regiment and like something that I learned from regiment is like always being challenged and always being pushed. And like, no matter what situation you're in, it's like you figure it out. You're going to figure it out somehow. So I feel like, you know, like with people like us, as soon as COVID hit, you know, you had your dark times and your down moments, but as soon as you like stop feeling sorry for yourself, you're like, all right, what's next? How do we, how do we improve this? What's next? What do we do? And and then you move forward from there and you evolve and you, you do the next thing. Yeah. Improvise, adapt, overcome, you know, uh, (laughs) I was a, you know, that's how my brain works. I was like, well, this is a shit situation. How do I get through this? Exactly. And, 
and also I'm helping others. And that's a big reward for me. You know, mm -hmm. that's why I got so into personal training and stuff. Cause, um, you really impact people in a positive way and the fitness side of things you, you don't deal with as you deal with more positive, uh, interactions, things like that. You're really helping people get better. And so I love the industry. Yeah. I was going for, we were talking about this. I was, you know, I, I was going for med school. I had my undergraduate recently graduated and, uh, you know, I was asking myself, I was like, do I really want to do this shit right now? <laughs> you know, like I'm so burnt out. Yeah. I, I was like, you know what? That's kind of why I started this venture and everything else. Cause I, you know, uh, the, the circumstances and also I was like, I want to do anything else right now and just yeah. kind of explore and see what's out there. And it's been yeah. going great. A thousand percent. I did, I did school before I started acting for like six, I think it was one semester uh, at like Montclair State in New York. Um, and it's the same thing, like it was an undergraduate program and I just started it and I like, oh man, I hated it. I was with a bunch of like 17, 18 year olds yeah, and sucks. here I am like 24, um, got back from Afghanistan like less than a year ago. And I was just like, I hate this. I hate this so much. I relate with nobody in here I'm like, I come to school, work out, go home, and I'm like, this this sucks. This sucks so much. Did I try it? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I made it I made it through my undergrad with a very, I mean, the 4.0, you know, I'll brag right. about that. Congratulations. Hey. Really brag <laughs> about that a lot. Uh, but, I mean, seriously, because I, I hated I hated school. I, yeah. I did. I, every time I went in there and listened to, there were some good professors, but they're few and far between. So most of them are just like, they have this inflated ego for no reason. And then they tell everybody in there, I guess, cause most people are 18, 19. Um, they're telling people about the real world and you know, I got some goof telling me about the real world. I'm like, listen, let me tell you about the real world. My yeah. Friend. You're like, you don't know, man. Yeah. The past 25 years showing the same PowerPoint. Yeah. Like, come on, man. Living in their own bubble. Uh, not, not all dude. I've met some, really, I have met some great professors, but, again, few and far between a whole lot of goofs in between there and you got to play their game. And, oh, yeah. uh, you know, I was telling my cousin, he recently got out and he was like, dude, I don't know. I don't know. He's like, telling me, he's like, I don't know if I can do this. You know, he's like, this guy's saying this, this, and this, his professor, he's like, he's already talking about the professor pushing political ideas, Oh yeah. Um, you know, the university and college and all that environment's very political for, it doesn't have to be that way. Like you don't have to push your politics, but Anyways, he was frustrated about that. I was like, man, just play their game and just, yeah. get the grade. Just let it be. There's there's an end date and just count down the days and that's it. Yeah. It but it's a, yeah, it's a sucky experience. Now, grad school would be different because you're getting a whole different audience. Those people are more driven, but yeah, you know, undergrad's rough because most people are selfish. They they don't care. They're looking out for themselves. Like I, I asked somebody one time for a simple thing. He just had to shoot me a PowerPoint because I was a, uh, I was honestly catching up on some other things and ultimately it's my fault. Like that's kind of where yeah. my head went. I was like, well, it's my fault. I was doing other things in class, but it would have been real simple for him to help me out. Yeah. You know, I missed some notes. I was like, Hey man, can you send that my way? And he's like, sure, dude, I got his number. Like I shot him a text periodically over the course of a week, test days coming up. And I'm like, Hey man, like, can you send me those PowerPoints? Dude, he never came through, never came through. I had to go back and like do it myself. And I was just like, you guys are worthless. Like I can't rely on yeah. anybody. And I just learned like, you can't rely on anybody. Yeah. yeah. That's hard. Sorry. That's hard coming from a place like a regiment where 
dudes will jump through hoops to look out for you, you know, if you're on the good side. You know? Yeah. Well, it's coming from like that small, tight knit community to something that's like you're just throwing yourself into. And, and honestly, thousands of other people are just throwing themselves into it too. And it's like nobody, nobody has any type of camaraderie. Nobody cares unless you're like super, you know, who about the university. Nobody cares. Yeah. And that's the thing. They don't have to. And that's the big adjustment for a lot of veterans going into civilian life. Like people don't have to care. That's what you fought for is their freedom to not give a shit about anything. Exactly. Yeah. So as it is what it is, like, like you were saying. Um, so let's talk about how we know each other. So I was, a, you know, uh, most people know this following my page, but if you're stumbling on, you may not know this. I was a Ford observer and we get attached to different platoons. So I was attached to your platoon. Yeah. And I think, you know, we knew each other, but I think the first time we ever really like chatted and sat down together is we had staff duty together. Yeah. Uh, one night. And that was like the first, cause you know, honestly, like being, you know, being a private in, in regiment, you don't talk to many people, <laughs> but you don't have to, you really don't. Uh, yeah. So I think, I think, um, whatchamacallit, staff duty was the first time that we really like chatted and sat down with each other. Chef duty. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right. Uh, it's the worst. I would, uh, I would, I would get CQ uh, ten times out of ten over. Oh yeah, shaft duty. Oh yeah, oh yeah, a thousand percent. Except for when I was when I was getting out, they switched the rules just a little bit, so that they're very similar now. But yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I, I, I do recall that now. That was the first time we actually uh, talked, and um, you know, I was close to. To uh, at the time was your squad leader, uh, mm -hmm. Sergeant for well, Sergeant Carpenter, and uh, at the time Staff Sergeant Carpenter ended up progressing from there. But he he passed away on a on a jump accident. It was very sad for both of us because he was such a good guy. He was uh, he was the first person that was uh, really kind of took me in whenever I got attached to your, your guys's platoon. He's the first guy who made me feel truly welcome. And, uh, and he, he just had a knack for doing that. He was a, he was an absolute savage when he had to be, but when he didn't have to be, he was, a he was a, just a good dude. Like you just knew yeah. that dude was looking out for you. Yeah. He was, he was just literally just a solid dude. And I think looking back, I don't think there was anyone, you know, it's not, it's not technically a, a squad leader's job to teach. Um, but he, he taught so much to everybody. It didn't matter if you were in a squad or not. If you were looking to learn something, that was the guy to come to. Cause he, he, he was so excited that you were just looking to learn something and looking to improve that he would teach you. I mean, you had to, you know, you had to show your respect and, and hit your marks and everything like that. But he was, if you were willing to do all of that, he was really willing to go to battle with you on, on whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. He was a good guy. So, uh, sad, sad, um, sad ordeal. Uh, anyway, so that being said, let's talk about kind of like the pipeline. I get this question a lot uh, about people looking to get into, uh, you are an infantryman. So people like kind of want to know what it's like to go through the pipeline and, and, you know, with my channel, I kind of touch on, uh, I touch on what I can without going into OPSEC. I'm very, yeah. So, uh, you know, just kind of talk about 
what what it's like to kind of like from leaving the house going into the uh you had the 11x option mm -hmm. and just kind of what that experience looks like sure yeah so i started um i'll just start at maps because that's like the easiest thing um i was actually terrified of maps because i had torn my acl and jacked up my knee like a year before i went to maps um and you hear like maps is so hard you know this and that and you're not going to get through and and you go and you know, as long as you do your duck walk, you're, you're pretty much going in. Um, so, you know, that was kind of like my first obstacle. And then I joined, um, left home, spent a horrible amount of time at 30th AG. I don't know if you remember 30th AG at all, but it's just <laughs> more than I like to. Yeah. Oh my God. It's just like the most boring time of your entire life. Yeah. You're not, you're not allowed to do anything to you. There's no training. You're just making sure that you're not sick and, and nothing and getting in processed. Um, and then I went to um, to I don't I don't remember my basic I don't remember my basic unit um, but I went to basic um, and I think my first day at basic is when I figured out I'm going to be an eleven Bravo and not you know eleven Charlie and I remember I was I was terrified I was like I do not want to be a mortarman and, yeah, and a lot of people I get that a lot they're like oh, how do you know how do you I was like, I was like, I'm going to be pissed. I'm going to be so pissed, so fucking pissed. And, and it ended up working out. And I think back to it now, I'm like, I, I wouldn't have cared either way. It would have been fine. That's um, why those mortar men are all savages, dude, because they're all bitter. Right. They're all so pissed off and just carrying <laughs> that chip all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I went to basic. Um, I got pretty lucky with my basic because for whatever reason, we had a ton of option 40 and um uh, 18x guys um, i want to say something like 40 percent of our basic training was uh, option 40s or 18x and so we you know we did a lot to prepare for that um, i don't know if we did more than other people but it felt like we did a ton um, and then we were also given some time uh, to work out on our own which i don't think a lot of other basics are given um, and basic was i mean basics about as easy as it can be if you just follow directions and and that's about it i mean keep your head down follow directions don't stand out um i remember i got i got in trouble in basic because they do like the platoon leader the or the platoon guard or whatever it is yeah. the head yeah I, I remember i got it towards the end um i kept my head down and been real quiet oh you're talking about yeah pg yeah yeah pg yeah. and i got it i got it towards the end and we had this kid who, who really wanted it for whatever reason. He really wanted it. And so I just, I gave it to him. I was like, dude, you can just have it. Just, just take it from me. And it took the drill sergeants like two or three formations to realize. And, oh, man, I got, I had the shit smoked out of me actually for that one. Yeah. It, was, it was bad. Um, but then after that, uh, we held over a little bit um, because they don't run airborne 20, uh, all year round. Um, they closed it down in the winter months. So we got held up back like two weeks, I think, um, for airborne. Airborne went through airborne pretty easily. Um, it's not a difficult course. Again, uh, the physical demands are not ridiculous. Um, I think the most challenging thing for people a lot of times is like a 20 second pull up hang. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you can't get through a 20 second pull up hang, you're probably not going to get through RASP. So yeah. <laughs> it's not that difficult. Um, that's funny. I don't even remember the pull-up hang. It's like it's so insignificant, dude. Like it's so yeah. I just I just remember so many people freaking out that that morning of the PT test, being like, "You think you do a pull-up hang?" And I remember being like, 
probably yeah like i don't i don't like i'm sure you know it's 20 seconds like whatever um yeah. and then uh went to rasp uh spent about four or five weeks in pre-rasp um just with the way things lined up um pre-rasp is extremely chill and uh if you're going to be in there for five weeks, you, you have to make sure that you're continuing to push yourself. Um, you know, when the duty day is done, because it's, it's very easy to be like, Oh, we did PT this morning. And it was like a mile and a half run because the pre-rest instructors don't really care. You know, I'll go and eat at the PX or whatever. Um, it's essentially like a holdover period, but in the yeah. mornings they smoke the dog shit out of you. Like yeah, it is, exactly. it is regimental PT. So yeah, that's a shock for a lot of people. Yeah, but afterwards, I mean, it's your basically your first time being free after basic and even in airborne, you're not necessarily as free as you are in, in pre-rasp because a lot of times you're done by two or three o'clock in pre-rasp. Yep. Um, so a lot of people, you know, start going out and, and eating shit and not working out and downloading Tinder and, you know, plenty of fish and all, of, you know, all of the other stupid shit. Um and just kind of let their bodies go and shock their bodies. And we had a, we had a lot of people who, you know, were in really good shape and basic and <clears throat> all of a sudden start rasp five weeks later after shocking their bodies with just disgusting crap for five weeks. Yeah. It matters. Fall out, fall out early in, in rasp. Um, so you, that's the first time like mentally you have to, you have to figure out that you want it and you're going to put some stuff aside. Um, and then started rasp, uh, went straight through, um, had like a week or two week holdover um, after RASP before I got sent to first bat. Um, we didn't get to choose our battalions. Uh, some classes do, some classes don't. It's, it's completely random. Sometimes it's based on the instructors, sometimes it's not. Um, yeah. I don't know if you guys were allowed to choose or not. We actually did, yeah. We actually chose, but yeah. <laughs> ultimately you go to the needs of, of regiment. But we did get a say, and the say did weigh a little bit. Yeah, exactly. We we were told that we were going to be able to like trade if you were to find somebody to trade with you. But then after like the fourth person wanted to trade, the instructors were annoyed and, and shut it down real quick. They're like, no, that, you got whatever you guys got. That's where you're going. So that's because everybody who got third bat was like, trade, let's trade. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember I wanted to go to, I wanted second bat really bad. I had some family in Washington and, and I did, I did not want first bat. First bat was like the last on my list. I was like, I don't want to do that. That doesn't sound fun to me. And little did I know, like Savannah is a blast. It is a blast. First, first bat, if you're going to go somewhere, definitely first bat is a place to be, especially if you're, you know, in your early 20s with the colleges around there and the beaches and stuff. It's it's a lot of fun. It is fun. I mean, tourists go there all the time. That's like a yeah. tourist hotspot. And, and Tybee Beach is, is fun. and Yeah, you know, it's a little I'll, wild, uh, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, it can be. Yeah, I lived on Wilmington, actually, for, for a little – towards the end of my career. Yeah. Because I was like, I was like, fuck the bees. So <laughs> I didn't even have housing getting paid out to me. I was just like, I'm out. So yeah, I was – yeah, it was a gut check financially. Like, I wouldn't put back a whole lot of money. But, uh, oh, I bet. Worth I, it. Um, totally worth it. To get off base, yeah. You got you to detox. You know, you got to get away from it for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then got to regiment, um, instantly went to ACO, um, went to weapons squad, uh, started doing that. And then, um, yeah, you know, started training, um, went to, went to Korea, um, 
to train with their their uh, special forces out there and do some stuff out there. Um, and that was, I think I was in regiment. Did you go to Korea with us? Oh yeah, I was there. Okay, yeah. So I think I was in regiment like six or seven days before we flew out to Korea. Because um, you guys had all sent your stuff beforehand. And I remember I had to carry all of my stuff on on the planes with us, like as checked bags. And I was like, this fucking sucks. Everybody else is just walking through. Uh-huh. Um, did that. And then, um, and then yeah, I came back and, and hung through, I guess. Korea was a good time. That was, uh, <clears throat> that was actually my last uh, hoorah before I got out. So yeah. went over there. Yeah. And- Korea was a wild time for sure. Yeah, it was fun, dude. Like, it, usually people have curfews and stuff, but regiment guys, like, people ask me what are the perks they get in a regiment because I paint this picture of it's hard, it's very fast paced, which is all true. But there's payoffs. And one of the payoffs was we didn't have curfew. Oh, and, yeah. uh, and we also did offset leaves. So people were going to, like, mm-hmm. you know, Thailand and Japan. And, yeah. <clears throat> and I was, I might have been drunk the entire time. I might have been drunk. Yeah, close, the definitely time. close too. I know the four days that we had um, in Seoul. I mean, we'd be up by like nine, work out by eleven. We're like off base, some random place in Itaewon or Hyundai or wherever. Um, but also, I mean, you know, looking back on that training, we were training Monday through Thursday. You know, we hit we'd hit like forty eight hours straight sometimes consistently um and that was honestly korea was probably some of the best training that i ever did um coming through the the amount of range days that we had and and just the amount of shit that we learned especially being new and and being fresh um i thought i learned a lot in rasp and was prepared to go and and you know do shoot houses and all of that stuff and then you get to regiment and you start doing it and you're like this is another level this is totally different but the training was awesome it was intense and it was fast paced and it was a lot we didn't sleep a whole hell of a lot at all, but it was it was fun and it was it was it was really cool to do. Yeah, regiment is the epitome of work hard, play hard. Yeah. Um, and okay. that's kind of what I could describe to people. It is absolutely a machine. And you know, we talked about injuries. Uh, me and you both experienced some injuries and and kept mm-hmm. our mouth shuts about it. Um, basically, mine was an issue after I got out. I basically kept my mouth shut towards the end. And uh, it's basically the best way I can describe regiment is a machine that's going to keep moving whether you're on it or not uh oh, yeah. one one of our uh bcs used to used to say i, I love this quote because it was really good he said we need all of you <clears throat> and voice cracked it he said we we need <laughs> we need all of you or we need none of you and i thought that was like the perfect way to phrase it because you know we're all essential as long as you can put forth the effort to be essential yeah but, exactly um if you can't stay on, I mean, it's a little, it is a little, uh, feels kind of like heartless for that reason sometimes, but the machine doesn't care. Machine keeps no, going. No, it doesn't at all. No. I, I always tell people it's kind of like a sports team. You know, if you're, you know, all of us coming in are basically like, you know, imagine all of us as like undrafted free agents. If we're not there to practice and we're not there to prove ourselves, it, it doesn't matter. The team still plays, the team still moves on and, and you got to catch up. You got to figure out some way because, because nobody cares you know for lack of a better phrase like it is what it is and and the other thing is it's like you gotta you gotta advocate for yourself a lot more than you've ever done in your life you know mom and dad are gone and and you got to figure out your own stuff and if you're hurt and you don't bring it up 
and you don't say anything, you're just going to get hurt worse. And it's going to build and it's going to build and it's going to build. And the thing is, is, you know, like I went in and I was, I was young and you get a lot of these young kids that don't, they don't know, you know, Oh, I feel a little bit of pain, but you know, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say anything. And like, for me, mine, you know, mine just continued to build and build and build and got to a point where it was, it was really debilitating and, and I couldn't, I couldn't perform anymore. Um, whereas if I would have just said something a little bit earlier, uh, who knows what have happened, what would have happened or what wouldn't have happened. Um, but it is, it is very interesting when you, when you get to a point for the first time in your life where you really have to advocate for yourself and, and have to learn and understand your body very quickly. Yep. Yeah, it doesn't care. Um, I, and almost, you know, you brought up the point of people keep it to themselves and sometimes you almost have to because bringing up a debilitating injury can mean your career. Yeah. You know, I've seen people go get surgery and stuff and, and usually those people have some rank on them and, uh, and they go get it and then they're allowed a grace period. But even then after a while, they're like, are you still not good? Okay. Well, all right, you got to go somewhere else, you know, yeah. and it seems, seems heartless, but that's, that's what makes regiment such a great machine. But also yeah. it's, uh, it's, you know, the best way I get this question a lot, you know, I get, you know, should I go, uh, SF or should I go Ranger? And in my personal opinion, regiment is a great place to grow up. It gives you mm -hmm. all the experience and tools that you'll ever need, but it is a young man's game. It is oh, yeah. very all the time. And physically, you know, I would say, I'd say, you know, mentally, SF is going to be uh, more challenging. You have to be yeah. overall smarter to be in SF. That's just a fact. You have to learn a whole nother language. You have to get familiar with, um, you know, like political infrastructures, economic infrastructures of a certain geographical area. They have a way different mission than we do. Uh, we have smart rangers and strong rangers. You know, we don't have to necessarily be super strong, but uh, or super smart. But yeah, it, everybody is fit, and so on a physical fitness standpoint, rangers are the epitome of physical fitness in the army, and it is very again, it is a meat grinder. So uh, I wouldn't recommend. This is going to be a little taboo, but I wouldn't recommend a career in regiment. I, I would say regiment probably has a shelf life of eight years. Yeah, yeah. Two. I don't know many people who are going through um, two or more contracts who haven't had multiple surgeries or multiple things that honestly are going to stick with them for a long time. Because honestly, like you can, I think you said it best, you can get through RASP and you can get through the Ranger pipeline being very dumb and just keeping your mouth shut and doing exactly what people tell you to do. Um, physically, it's going to be very hard, but you can do it. Whereas with a lot of these other ones, you, you can't do that. Right. You know, you can't just put your head down and continue to walk. Whereas in regiment, you know, the pipeline, you can, you get to regiment and it's going to be a little bit of a different story, but you, you can. And I think, I think instructors um, know that a little bit. And so I think they do kind of push you a little bit harder physically. Um, you know, and some of this stuff before getting to regiment because they know, you know, you, you can, you can just put your head down and continue to walk and you'll get there. Yeah, because regiment is one of the, one of the, I think it's the only special operations that takes in privates. Yeah. And 
And so we take in privates and we're building people up. That's why I say it's a great place to grow up. Um, it is a great, fantastic place to grow up because they're taking somebody who is coming from, you know, the streets. Yeah, you've been through some training. You know, you go through about a year, year and a half before you get there. Uh, if you're a medic, you know, maybe two and a half years. Yeah. I don't know. Those guys, those guys, uh, when they get there, they deserve their respect because they've been yeah. through some shit already. But, you know, you've been through all this, you know, this training, but it's still, it's still not enough. You think a year and a half, I could be ready by then to be God. an operator or whatever. Not, no. yeah. It's not nearly enough time. And so you get there and you're still working up. But, you know, by the time you get, you know, get farther in your career, you are, they have molded you into that ideal um, vision of what a ranger is. It does take time. Oh, so yeah. that's, that's where I, I remember when we graduated, uh, the day that we donned our berets and stuff, um, they were like, this is going to be your easiest day in regiment. And I was like, yeah, sure. Sure. I'm sure there's going to be easy days. Like we just went through, you know, so much bullshit to get here. Like, sure. And that probably was the easiest day in regiment. They're because, right. Yeah. Because literally you, you think you've done something and you think you've earned something and you have, but now you're joining the big leagues and you're up there and you're, you got to work and you got to earn it because you're, you're going in with a bunch of grown men that they don't know you. They don't know who you are. They don't know anything about you. And, and they've all done the exact same thing. So yeah. what are you going to do today, tomorrow, and the next day to earn their respect? Yeah. Yep. It's uh, we push each other uh, to a very high extent, and uh, and there's some people who, you know, I talked about it with Flynn when I had him on. He was like, some people, if they're better than you, they want you to know they're better than you, and it's a problem. You're not as good as them. Uh, I thought that was a, that's the perfect way to phrase it. There are a lot of people who are like, why don't you know what I know already? Oh yeah. And it's like, oh shit, you know, like I need to speed up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, your first like six, your first at least four weeks there. I mean, if you don't, if you don't have your blue book down, which is something that I don't think we ever even thought about in RASP. You know, your blue book down, your cards, your everything. I mean, just get ready to be smoked day in and day out. Um, and that's just little stuff, you know. That's just memorization. Um, you know. It's, it's, you just, you got to be on your game 24 seven in regiment. And if you're not ready for it, you better get ready for it real quick because it, it doesn't stop. Yeah. Either, you either adapt and, and catch up or, uh, or you're out. Yeah, exactly. And, and it really is like that, you know. Uh, and if you, if you get there and you're not ready, they can, they can feel it. Yeah. And they're not going to keep you around. They're going to push you out quick. You know, like you, it's it's like smelling fear, you know, like they can smell it. And if they know that you're not ready, why would they let you go out and do something with with all these people and potentially put them in danger? You know, they're going to they're going to get you out of there early and they're going to probably break you in the process. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had friction when I was a private. I, I got there and uh, MLAT was my first event. Yeah. And uh, I did not do so hot at all. <laughs> and it was a problem for a long time. So basically my. I ruined uh, my days as a private pretty early on. Like they, I just oh, got yeah. the shit smoked out of me. They're like, they're like, dude, we got to dog this guy. He's either gonna yeah. catch up or we're gonna we're gonna make him. We're gonna Same. break him and get rid yeah. of him. And so I, they, I, I remember I was pretty stubborn, and I've got a little bit of a problem with authority. And so those first few days in regiment, I remember there was a corporal or a specialist. He might not have been promoted yet. Um, but we were just, we were just chatting, you know, going back and forth like you do randomly. And, uh, 
he decided to kind of come at me and he was like, do you want to use rank? And we had been chatting and I, I like kind of took offense to this and I was like, no. And this was like day one and Sergeant Carp was right there. Like people, it was, I think, I think I spent the next like seven hours in front of the barracks, just doing, doing all kinds of shit. And it was, it was horrible. And I remember thinking to myself, why couldn't I just use rank? Like what, why did I have to do that? Like, that's so stupid, but it literally was just like a pride moment where you're like, we're just chatting. What's the big deal? Like, no, you know, and it was, it was rough, but they, that's what they do. You know, you, yeah. you mold yourself and they, if you don't want to mold yourself, they will mold you. Yeah. And you know, the, the people who want to mold you, that's a great thing. It, I think there is a problem of people who want to very more rare, but there's people who want to push the paperwork too. Oh yeah. My philosophy was, and I've had, I had some privates really mess up, but my philosophy was, I'm going to smoke you till you almost die, but I'm not <laughs> going to push any paperwork on you. Yeah. The last thing I want to do is my personal uh, viewpoint was I'm not going to mess with your career, but I'll, I'll smoke you for a long time. And, uh, you know, I, th- I get this story all the, or I get this question all the time. Like what's your best, uh, smoking hazing story? Uh, it's actually something I did to somebody else. I mean, I was having them run and grab items and, uh, it, it lasted for about five hours and, that's not an uncommon story in regiment. Like you said, six, seven hours. There's, there's a lot of guys who experience those day long smoke sessions. It's no joke. If you yeah, mess especially up, especially when you're new, they'll just rotate people in, you know, Hey, you want to get at this guy for a little bit? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I won't say that on air, but there was, there's been incidents that have, uh, have gone too far. Like you smoke somebody too, too much, you know, uh, to where it, it caused like, uh, you know, like people had to go to the hospital and stuff. I won't say too much on air, but yeah, it gets, uh, it gets next level, dude. Like it, it's, uh, it's next level hazing. And, uh, I, but you, you learn. And I mean, it only takes you a couple of those ones before you, you really learn what you need to do. We were, we were in Korea and I, I, I had a couple of different pairs of gloves with me out at the range and I forgot a pair somewhere. I, I was pulling like some, some duty or some guard and I left him out there. And I was like, oh, whatever. I got multiple pairs. Like, this is this is fine. And uh, my team leader was next to pull guard there. And he found them. And, of course, they've got my name on the inside of them. And we were in Korea. And I don't know if you remember the helipad out there. Um, we got back from the range about 10 o'clock at night. And you know it's always bad when, when they take you away from offloading everything and putting things away to smoke you and that's exactly what happened as soon as as soon as we stopped he was like dave will come with me and i was like oh fuck this is this is bad and he just he carried my gloves and he had them with him the whole time and i think i was out there for like four hours because of this pair of gloves and in my mind i'm like well i got extras this is no big deal but it's like what if you don't have extras you know this is so tiny this is so easy to not forget these you know, why are you not checking this? Why are you not double checking this? Why are you not doing what you're supposed to be doing? And in my mind, I'm, you know, I'm pissed. I'm, I'm mad. I'm like, this is so unneeded. And like a couple of weeks later, you know, we're leaving the range and I'm, you know, triple checking all of my stuff, making sure that I got all of my stuff for an exact reason. And I'm like, Oh, uh, this might make some sense now. Yeah. It gets like that. I got to where I was checking stuff all the time, even stuff I, would, I had already seen it and I would check it again. And I would check it again because it's one little thing. You miss one little thing and it's all 
a nightmare. When I was a private, same invite, right? First event. Uh, one of the things I did was during our mock training, I forgot my mount. So I had my, my nods there, didn't have my mount. That's a big deal. All right. That's a, that's a bigger deal, but you know, just something, some such a small piece, you know, um, never forgot it again. That was a bad day for me, uh, doing the, the mock-ups without, you can't see anything. Everybody's roasting you. They're, oh, like, bad, yeah. they're like, why is this dude retarded? You know, like, you know, you, uh, so, I mean, you learn real quick, Hey, check everything and yeah. double check, triple check. And it, and they make it known and rasp, you know, uh, the day one, day one, they check your packing list. And if you didn't, you don't have all your items there, they'll drop you from the course. Oh, yeah. uh, when you do your 12 mile ruck, if your ruck doesn't weigh 35 pounds, doesn't matter if you came in on time for that three hour or less ruck march, that's it. That's a wrap because that attention to detail is so important. Exactly. So you're expected to know it then. We, I'll never forget. We had a, we were cleaning rifles before going to the range and one of the other privates forgot to put his firing pin back in, you know, like the, no, not the fire, the firing retaining pin. Yes. He forgot to put that back in as we were cleaning them because you know, you know how everything happens. It's like, okay, we're loading up. Let's go. Let's go. You know, close up the rifles. Let's go. And he forgot to put it in and we drive out and the ranges are always like 45, 50 minutes from, um, from Hunter. And he goes to fire one round and that's it. That's like his whole rifle. That's it. And, and Sergeant Carp was so pissed and so mad at all of us. I think he pulled the whole squad out of that day, drove back, smoked all of us. We found the retaining pin, but like, it was, it was one of those things where it's like, you whatever the details are you know them and you know them like the back of your hand and you check them six seven eight times because you you can't forget anything because at the end of the day if you guys are out you know doing something it's somebody's life you know and that's that's what the details are and and you know when you're training and when you're a private you don't really get that you think of it as oh this is just a mistake this was just a mistake you know yeah. but eventually that mistake is is more you nailed it. I mean, it, that's that nods mount, that firing pin. That is not a small deal because imagine yeah. going on a mission and then that happens. Yeah. You know, that's that's not a small deal anymore. If it's a real world, that is a huge deal. Mm -hmm. Now so you are compromising. Gloves, you know, even those gloves. Let's say I didn't have an extra pair with me and I had to go change change a barrel on a 240 yeah. at night. You know, good luck doing that without any gloves. You know, like you. Oh, it gets so hot. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's it's literally it's life and death at those points, and and that's what regiment does an awesome job of, of instilling and getting in you early. Yeah, because if you are that guy who doesn't, if you're not prepared, you know, the whole thing of you're only as strong as your weakest link. That's absolutely right because you are compromising everybody else if you are that guy. So, okay. you know, uh, that's something you you may not think about as a you know 19, 20 year old private. You know, is your your young guy, and. Uh, and, and regiment absolutely does a good job at teaching you that, making that a big deal as mm -hmm. it should be. Um, also in regiment, you are constantly doing your job. There's no, there's no bullshit. I mean, that's always training it, where I see uh, an issue in a lot of like conventional places. They're not, there's a whole lot of BS happening and oh. not a whole lot of, you know, training. So that, that's another reason to do regiment is you actually get good at your craft yeah plus another thing with regiment another benefit is 
you know, a lot of the time, a lot of the time you're doing what your squad needs to do. You know, whatever these other squads are doing, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily matter as much. So if you guys get in and you do your work, you know, you're able to go to the gyms or work out or, or do what you need to do outside of that. You know, a lot of the times in the regular army, you're sticking around, you know, for the unit for whatever that is or for the company or the whatever in regiment it's 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 a lot smaller and so it's a lot more focused training yeah and and when you're done and you're good you're you're done and you're good yeah yeah you're a lot of the time you're not getting held just for the sake of getting held exactly Uh, there's not like a lot of times there's not like a you know 1700 formation and then you're off work you know there's not a lot of that stuff it's you know it's a man's game and you do what you got to do and then you go home yeah. Yep. It's like the one place you can experience that so early on in, in yeah. the army. So that is another cool thing about it. So, um, you know, let's, uh, let's kind of circle back to, um, you know, I kind of want to touch on, you know, what you do now in, in your book again, I know we kind of talked about it, but, uh, again, it's pretty cool. You've been, uh, you were telling me you, you did a lead role and we were talking about like mm-hmm. how cool it is to kind of do these adventures and, uh, you know, uh, we talked about how people kind of come out the woodwork when you start doing something successful, like they just like appear out of the bushes and like try to get some, get some, uh, get some control over what you're doing or they try to steer your ship. It's kind of, it's kind of weird. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still kind of fresh, you know, like it's gaining traction, but I'm still kind of fresh and already people are like coming out of the bushes. Like, Hey man, like, uh, you need some help? literally yeah and it's it's the same thing for me and i'm like i'm i'm a nobody i've done i've done like nothing you know like i not making a ton of money i'm like not you know anything and people are like hey so uh maybe you could help me out a little bit and i'm like with what dude <laughs> with yeah. what like i got nothing you know dude um, there's people who make a whole business out of looking at successful instagram names so we just talk about the social media side they'll look at like a successful brand and be like, I'm going to take their brand name. If they don't have a domain for it, like a website, mm-hmm. they'll buy that domain and be like, if you want this domain, you got to buy it from me. Yeah. There's just people out there all the time just lurking, like, how can I get a piece of this? You know? That's like the, the, uh, the Washington, we are like, that's like the Washington football team. They want to change their name. I think we caught. Did we catch back up? I think so. Yeah, we're good. Okay. Yeah, the Washington football team, they went to change their name, and they had such a tough time because they had publicly said that they're going to go and change their name, and people trademarked, like, the Washington governors, uh, the Washington generals, the Washington patriots, like, all kinds of names, and there was, like, nothing left for them, and now they've got to try to scramble and figure something out. People are always lurking and always scheming for themselves. Um, and I think, honestly, I think Regiment does a great job of preparing you for that kind of stuff because, you know, your accomplishments are your accomplishments and Regiment lets you know that. Yeah. Yep. It's, uh, it's been uh, interesting. You know, like I, I've been doing pretty well. And so to have people kind of come on like, hey, man, I can help you do better. I'm like, I'm good. I think I'm doing okay. Yeah, I'm you know, fine. yeah. But, it's kind of weird. Like, yeah, I, I had people tell me like, Hey, you're going to have people come try to swallow you up. You know, when I first started this, just like people with some foresight and I had a buddy who started doing his own business. He's like, people are going to come try to swallow you up and oh, just man. keep doing your own thing. 
And I was like, okay. And sure enough, you know, uh, people, people already been coming by more than one trying to, yeah, trying yeah. to swallow it up. So, and I'm just getting started, you know, pretty yeah, much. Exactly. So it's been interesting. It will. They definitely will. Um, but yeah, to, to kind of circle back to, uh, to kind of what I'm doing now and, and the book, um, I kind of, um, so mental health, I don't know how mental health is for you, but mental health has kind of always been very interesting for me. And did a whole podcast on it. Oh, did you really? Yeah. Who was that one with? Was that one with? That's with Blake McGee. He's with 22 kill, which is an organization who uh, basically helps, helps, they help anybody. Mm -hmm. But you know, obviously the, with the 22 kill, the brand name that's focusing on the veteran community, but they, they'll they'll talk to anybody, you know, they just want to help people with their mental health and stuff. So uh, that's kind of the goal there, but yeah, it's a, it's a huge deal. Yeah. I'm going to check that one out. Um, but, uh, March of 2019, uh, my mom actually became one of those 22 veterans a day. Um, and since then mental health and depression, anxiety has, has been a big part of my life, kind of like it would be for anyone who kind of has to go through that kind of stuff, yeah. um, and figure it out from there. And so the book that I wrote, Dear Monica, it's it's a deep dive. It's a fictional story, but it's a deep dive into into mental health and depression and anxiety um, from the standpoint of what to do when when it, it's his wife, Monica. But she's more than his wife. She's you know his whole world. She's his best friend. She is you know I've used the analogy. She's his Swiss Army knife. You know, yeah. uh, she leaves, and and it's him trying to find his life and figure out who he is post her going through depression and anxiety and, and alcoholism and, and just life challenges when you're trying to do that again. Yeah. It's a huge deal. And I'm sorry to hear that, man, but I think it's beautiful that you are attacking it in your own way. Um, I actually, uh, I have a similar story. You know, I had a family member to protect identities and things. I won't mm-hmm. mention the relationship or anything like that, but I had a family member uh, very close to me commit, suicide and um it was a big deal it was a big shock to the family uh, yeah. we had one pass one family member pass away from natural causes and then the uh you know the other had struggled with depression and things like that and so um you know a couple hours later he had yeah hung himself and and uh very publicly and it was a it was a bad deal you know a lot of us were there for it it was not a good not a good time and um, that was, uh, that's when it be- became, cause it was already kind of on my mind, but you know, at that point I, I, I started really paying attention to that, but then, you know, kind of dealt with some things, even myself kind of going down my own wormhole and then kind of hitting my own version of rock bottom and realizing like, you know, you gotta, you gotta look out for yourself. You gotta have some self-awareness and know when to dial back and, and, uh, you know, you got to know when to get out of your comfort zone and achieve things and thrive in the world. And then you also got to know when to address, okay, I have an issue. How can we address this and take oh, yeah. some time to find some self-care here? Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely something that, you know, changes you as, as a person. Um, but I think also, you know, obviously, obviously I'd trade, you know, and I'm sure you would trade anything to have that back. Um, but the amount that you can learn about yourself and about the world afterwards, if, if you allow yourself and, and open up to, you know, learning about it is, is pretty remarkable. Um, yeah. 
you know, I definitely think I'm a much, much better person and, and, and have a better understanding of the world and, and health, honestly, as a whole afterwards than I did, than I did before, which I think is, is important to think about and, and be aware of. Yeah. Coming to that realization, there's a lot of people out there. Mental health is like a, it's a problem Uh, in, in uh, our country as a whole. I mean, in the world really, but you know, there's a wide spectrum of what normal is and things like that. Mm But, you know, trying to find your own version of what's normal and find your own version of happiness is very important. Uh, I'm in the best place now than I've ever been. And uh, I think the first step was addressing, you know, there's a problem here and kind of taking my own steps to finding my way and pursuing things that fulfill me and yeah. make me happy. And that looks different for people. Yeah, exactly. And, and everyone, everyone's, that's scary. That's scary for so many people. You know, you have no idea what you're doing. You're just, you're just jumping off a ledge. Um, and it's, it's important to know that. And it's, a, I think it's important to do that. You know, I'm, I came to New York with no idea of what was going to happen. I started acting with no idea what was going to happen. Um, but you, you end up, you end up figuring out that, you know, the fear is still there, but the thing just makes you happier than it does scared. Yeah. Which is, which is the important thing and what to focus on. Yeah. For me, I had to break my routine. I had been on this damn hamster wheel of just work, school, work, school, work, school, work, school. My head wasn't going to a good place because, I, you know, you leave regiment and you're used to these exciting and unique experiences and they keep happening. And even regiment kind of has its own version of a hamster wheel, but we do kind of find a way to keep it uh, unique. And so leaving that environment and kind of coming into a new one, like uh, I needed some excitement back in my life. I needed some variety. And so anytime I break off and venture and try something new even if it's uncomfortable I remember that I really hold on to that like oh that was that was good that was a breath of fresh air and uh so that's yeah I agree with that yeah I think the other thing is is too just to just in case there's any guys that are watching this that are you know getting out soon or or you know getting ready to get out um just be prepared for your life to go somewhere and and allow it to go somewhere that you maybe didn't think that it was going to go yeah. You know, be open to, to whatever's coming to you and whatever's, whatever's happening. And you're going to, you're going to hear it a million times from, you know, the out briefings and, and whatnot. People come in and talk to you and you're going to be like, I don't, I don't care. This is stupid. This is just past time. But genuinely, you know, be aware of it and be open to it because getting out, it's, it's not necessarily exactly what they say, but you do, you do go through, you know, an arc and you do go through some stuff that's very different to you and very new. Um, so just be ready for it. Especially if you're a guy like me who left at, you know, I was barely 18. Um, yeah. When I enlisted, I was 17, you know, and went in the delayed entry program and then barely 18 when I left. And uh, I had no idea what the real world is. So to go from this version of the real world that I created for myself, you know, that, uh, I mean, it very much is the real world, but it's like this yeah. military world. And then you come back to the civilian world and it is so much different. That transition is huge. I did another podcast that was all about transition. We just oh, yeah. you know, talked with a, call, a guy who got out and became a uh, like college advisor. So he was advising veterans on like what courses to take and kind of helping them with their GI benefits and stuff like that. But we were just talking about how 
kind of whack everything is like it, it is whack but the the beauty of it though is you can kind of create out here there is freedom with freedom comes uncertainty and uh you know it's scary because your overhead is not guaranteed you can be on the streets if you don't cover yourself but it's also very rewarding if you can find a niche and figure it out because there's so much you can do. The sky's the limit. You know, you exactly. can do you've learned, you know, people are always like, Oh, you know, army doesn't translate to civilian life, whatever. But you've Definitely learned, does. you've learned so much shit about the world and about yourself that does translate, you know, the specifics, you know, maybe don't, you know, in my day to day life, I'm not on a range shooting anymore, but the, the hard work, the integrity, the, that kind of stuff absolutely does. Uh, did you go through any decision fatigue at all when you got out? We all have to clarify what you mean, like trying to pick a path. No, so like I I didn't know that this was a real thing until like I started seeing a therapist a little bit ago, um, and we were just chatting about stuff. Um, but when you get out, you can legitimately go to this thing called decision fatigue, where you you your brain is a mu- it's a muscle, you know what I mean? Like your brain is another muscle in the body, and if you don't exercise it, it's going to get tired. So when you get out, all of a sudden you're making thousands of decisions on the daily for yourself that you were never making before yeah so what time do you want to get up do you want to go to school do you not do you want to do this do you whereas in in regiment in the army you don't those decisions are made for you you have yes. so my first six months out i would get done with the day and i i had a relationship then that that didn't that ended up you know kind of going down in flames um partially because of it because you know she'd be like where do you want to go to dinner i'd be like i don't care and she'd be like, How, what, do you, what do you mean you don't care? I'd be like, I do not care. And she's like, well, do you have an opinion on, you know, Mexican or this? And I'd be like, literally, I have no opinion. I do not care. Because literally your brain is so exhausted from making decisions all day. It's just, it's done. It's finished. It's way different. Yeah, and it's funny that uh, you, every podcast that I've done, especially with the Ranger Vets, but all, you know, everybody I've talked to, we've all said the same thing in a different way. Yeah, um, absolutely. You go from, you know, Blake was talking about you go, they tell you where to eat, where to sleep, uh, you know, when and where to shit, piss, yeah. all that, all that stuff. And, and it's, there's so much truth to that. Like there's no, not a whole lot of thought. Uh, whenever I ventured out onto Wilmington, I was like, this whole rent thing is like weird. You know, I'm like paying <laughs> rent and stuff. And like, that was yeah. my first experience. But, um, you know, in that sense, the military does do a good job at keeping you focused on other things because there's so many other things that you have to worry about, like mm-hmm. surviving. You know, uh, there's there's so many other things you have to think about. So they take out the stresses of overhead. And yeah. this is a big stress. Overhead's a huge stress for so many people. It, you know, even civilians who haven't served in the military, that's a constant stressor for them. Um uh, it's a it's a big struggle for everybody out here. We got to figure out how to keep a roof over our heads, and yeah. and that's a whole different story, you know. So, um, kind of some what I think happens to some guys is they get out of the military and they have this uh, hyper like uh, sense of situational awareness. So they fixate on those decisions, and they're they're still in survival mode. And then on top of that, you know, some guys have PTS and stuff like that, and yeah they're in survival mode and then they're making decisions and they're probably overemphasizing those decisions because everything has to be deliberate. That control has to be there. I think that's what hurts a lot of vets getting out. I think when they get out that decision, all these decisions come into play and then they really string themselves out. 
And so there's, you know, I'm sure guys in the military who are doing careers are like, why are all these guys getting out and having issues? Like, you know, uh, are they weak or something? You know, you know, those guys in, in the, it's not that it's just your whole situation changes. Yeah. And so for the first time, you know, you're, you're digesting things that may have happened to you. You know, you have new challenges and those decisions come into play. It's, it's a whole different ball game. And I kind of learned that, you know, like I said, I let the 18 and then got out and I was like, oh, this is way different. Yeah. And I think that's why a lot of dudes want to go back. Cause they're just like, I miss, I miss just having, you know, like a channeled focus. Yeah, exactly. Now. So and it's like, you got, you know, you got a decent paycheck consistent, you know, your biggest worry is like, Oh damn, I got to get up at five to go to work. Yeah. You know, which obviously there's, there's, you know, obviously there's a lot more, but there is, you, just, you know, on the outside world, outside of the army, like you, you don't worry that much when you're in because they, they do take care of it for you, yeah. which is kind of, it's kind of a double-edged sword though, because when you are young and, and 18, you know, you are able to get away from home and, and see the world and grow up and live, but then they take that away. And then it's like, oh, now I have to do that for myself. So it's yeah. like, it's awesome. It's great. And then it's a challenge. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie. When I got out, I thought, I thought I fucked up bad. Yeah. You know, I was like, they were all telling me like, dude, you're going to be crawling to come back, especially guys from regiment, because we have, we have allowed such a big transformation in our heads to mm -hmm. endure and make it there. And then you go from that to a place of essentially there's no direction unless you make a direction. And, oh, yeah. you know, you're going from this environment where everybody is this high, high uh, pace individual. We're all pushing each other to you get out and there's no structure. Like some people just don't give a shit. And they like some people are just cool with sitting on the couch and watching TV yeah. all day long and doing nothing else. And I'm just like, you know, I'm around people like that. And I'm like, don't you yeah. want to, do something like dude how are you just sitting there oh, my wife who kind of i stress her out sometimes because i get antsy yeah same and it's been cool working for myself but even with school like uh i was like finding competitions and things like there was one time where i was just so sick of just being in the same hamster wheel i booked like four competitions in a month like uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like martial arts competition but yeah. i booked four in a month like people don't typically do that so but I was just like, I got to break this. Like, exactly. this? like I have to do something. I have yes. to do something. Yeah, no, I'm the same. I was like, I, I mean, this whole, this whole book, I, I wrote it and published it in like three, three and a half months. Dude, that's awesome. And people, yeah, people are like, that's a stupid short time frame. It is. Like, yeah. yeah, but you know, I was going through quarantine and I woke up every day being like, I have to do something today. I have to do something today. Yeah. You know, I, I can't, I can't sit on my couch anymore and watch Netflix, you know, because nothing's open and there's no work right now. You know, like I have to do something. Yeah. And that's, that's something that regiment, you know, I'm really thankful for with regiment is like you, you get a work ethic and you develop one that's very solid. Yeah. I can't, I literally can't turn it off. Yeah. Um, I, I will work myself too hard. It's actually a problem because I, I just won't stop. And, uh, and I have all these other adventures and things that, that keep popping in my head. And like, uh, I, I wear again, my wife, uh, I wear her out because oh, it's yeah. all over the place, but same. I just can't turn off yeah, the same. gift and a curse. Yeah. I literally would be like laying in bed. It'd be like, like 3am I'd be laying in bed and I'd think of something and I'd get up and start writing. Yeah. And I'm like, can I just, can I turn this off for the night so that I can go sleep? Like this yeah, is, you can't, you, can't. you cannot. 
I started that with even this venture. Like, um, I, whenever I, I built my website, I was just sitting there. Like, there was a guy who was supposed to help me. He had a degree, a whole degree in this. He was supposed to build my website for me. And he just kept putting it off. Like, he put it off for like two days. And I was like, fuck it. I can't wait. I'm like, yeah. ready to get shit going now. <laughs> so I woke up at like 4 a.m. No reason. I didn't have to wake up at 4 a.m. Yeah. Well, I was like, pull some Jocko shit. You know, I woke up at 4 a.m. Uh, it should have took a picture of my watch and just posted it on social media. Like, uh, but I woke up and started researching how to build a website. Yeah. And then I built my website by, by 7 a.m. that morning, I had a website up and I had products. And yeah. then I was like, I want to sell t-shirts, but I don't want somebody else to do it. Exactly. Um, yeah. Which now I'm looking for drop shit people. I'm looking for people to actually make print my t-shirts and stuff. I think the quality is going to be better. But, yeah, uh, plus also you get to a certain point where you're like, I can't be making these this many t-shirts all it's day. It's way too much time. Yeah, I yeah. yesterday I fulfilled an order for 20 t-shirts, and yeah. I I spent a minute doing that. Like, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah it, it takes a minute to make those transfer t-shirts, and then you have to line it up. Like, it's yeah, exactly. all your eyeball and stuff. Yeah, so. no, that's kind of how it is because I I researched a bunch of stuff on publishing, and there's you know, there's a bunch of companies that'll do it for you so you can self-publish your book, but it's like, you know, they're charging $2,000, $2,500, or they're like, you know, you need to order the first 200 copies. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do any of that. I don't want to pay you $2,000. Like I'll figure it out. You know, I'll figure it out. And literally within like a couple of days, it was up on Amazon and I figured it out through Amazon. And even even the like the woman who did the uh, the cover page, you know, she reviewed me on the site that I hired her from, and she's like, you know, he's really nice. Um, but even with her, I was like, hey, so um, it's been like a day and a half now. Uh, do you have anything for me? Or and she's like, no, it takes a little bit of time. I'll be like, okay, cool. Next day, I'm like, hey, so uh, it's been another day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you have it yet? Yeah. She was she was getting annoyed with me, um, but she did a great job. But. It's just, it's just a different world that you come from. Yeah, it is different. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I think that's another reason why my content is so like widespread because uh, there's so many things I want to do with, oh, yeah. with this and my creativity is there. Um, there's a lot of creative guys in regiment. Uh, there's a lot of guys with, who are going to be great entrepreneurs when they get out. Yeah. Cause they have that work ethic and, uh, and they're go getters. Like uh, if they want something to happen, they'll, they'll go make it happen. Yeah, exactly. That's I think cool. that's something with regiment. It's like, you know, everybody tells you that it's so hard and it's impossible and then you do it and you're like, it wasn't that hard, you know? Yeah. And then it's like, that represents everything else in your life. You're like, I could, I could figure that out. It, was, it probably isn't that hard. I could figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. My, my go-to is always like, you've been through worse, dude. Like why, yeah. why is this? <laughs> you know? Always. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, to, it's an experience for sure. My wife was telling me the other day, cause I was sitting there now where we got to be careful is like getting down on ourselves. So like I was sitting there going, I'm not doing enough. I was just telling my wife, like, what am I doing? Right. I'm, I'm lazy, this, this and that, you know, like, even though it's not yeah. true, but I just felt like I hadn't done enough. She's like, dude, you're, you know, you're 27, you have a degree, you've been, you know, you, you achieved all those things before and you literally, you know, and, three months time started a, a successful company that is uh, paying our, our bills or overhead. And, yeah. uh, and meanwhile, helping other people. And I was yeah. like, 
thank you. You know, like I, I need that. You know, I need that. <laughs> like I suppose, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, it's uh, like uh, the gyms. The gyms have been closed here in New York for like six months, um, and I'm like always getting down on myself for not, you know, not working out and not being at the gym and consistently because it's so hard to do at home stuff in these tiny apartments. Um, and then I've got to remember like okay yeah you know you maybe didn't work out today but you kind of did you know do this instead and that's pretty that's pretty damn tough too so yeah i think uh i think i'm a fitness uh like fanatic i really became a fitness fanatic after i left and uh i was fit in the military but when i got out that kind of like i was kind of like my medicine because whenever you go out and work out you get that kind of like that release that um, dopamine release and whatever else, whatever else science there is to it, but is it's kind of like a drug. So like, um, I've kind of slowed down a little bit, but I used to do like hill sprints. Like I never thought I'd be in the sprinting, but I just go hill sprint just over and over and over. I remember one day I did 30 hill sprints Jesus. and like, it wasn't even like, it wasn't even reasonable, but I got, I got to where I was doing stuff like that. And, um, I just, like I said, I can't turn it off. That's just part of that work ethic of, you know, I can't, uh, I need that too. kind of like, uh, I, I don't think I'll ever stop unless I have like a, God forbid, like a stroke or something. I don't think I'll ever yeah. stop working to that capacity. My dad used to tell us when we were growing up, he's like, he was getting the gut, you know, and he was like, one day you're going to have it too. And, uh, my brother was, me and my brother were like, no, you know, my brother ended up getting the gut. He's got and, it. <laughs> and he's still telling me, he's like, he's like, one day it's going to happen. And I was like, if I have a stroke. You're like, I don't know about that, man. <laughs> yeah. I have a stroke other than that you know uh i can't turn this off i can't yeah. stop you know doing no, something exactly. my brain without working out because you know i've been doing at home stuff and stuff like that but without working out my brain is like a million miles an hour oh yeah day. i'm like what's next what's next what's next and it's like you almost need that workout just to like bring everything back down a little bit yeah yeah i, I was like that too when Co when covid first kicked off let me clarify i wasn't doing anything <laughs> and so uh, I was starting a business fitness page yet. I was, uh, even real comfortable and not doing a whole lot. And then, uh, yeah, I was sort of getting like in a weird way. And I was like, I gotta start, I gotta start yeah. doing something again. And luckily, uh, I got a semi-normal routine. I pretty much have a whole home gym here. And, That's not insane. I've got like a pair of dumbbells that goes up like 20, but you know, my apartment's like, you know, eight by eight in the living room. So it's like a little tough, but yeah. Yeah. I think I'm, the most depressed I've been throughout COVID is they, they announced the gyms were going to open like the 26th, I think tomorrow or today. They were supposed to open today. And then uh, the mayor came down. He was like, actually, we're going to push that a week. And, and when he made that announcement, that was the most depressed I've been throughout COVID. I was like, this is the absolute worst thing right now. <laughs> I, could, I like could not get out of it. My girlfriend was like, they're opening in a week. Like, what is the big deal? And I was like, you just, I was like, you don't get it. You just yeah. don't get it. Yeah. My wife's the same way. She and she used to she has good work ethic too. She was a D one athlete. Um mm -hmm. and uh she's a beast, but you know, she slowed down and gotten comfortable with things and she, you know, uh I've I haven't I haven't slowed down uh a whole lot. And now you know, I, I will say there was a point in time where I was like overkill. Like I said, the thirty hill sprints, I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah. Just to yeah. clarify, but <laughs> yeah, there was a point in time where I was just like, got real fixated, but now I'm kind of channeling my uh, energy in better ways. I think that was yeah. a little overkill. Um, it is hard to self-motivate at home though. I will say that 
So it's it's good to have like a place to go because oh yeah, it's hard for me to at least at least like uh, with these programs and stuff. People are, will ask me like why get a program? And I'll be like because at least you have a list to follow. And I yeah. I actually follow my own program. Like I, I wrote it and then I follow my own program. And I'm sitting there like fuck. Like I gotta I gotta do this list. And sometimes I don't even do the list that great, but I do finish the list. So that yeah. is the benefit to having a That's program. Like, I've got a the gym's open next week and I've got like an eight week, eight or 10 week program that I wrote um, a while ago. I think I wrote it when I first got out and I did it and it was, it was really good for me. And I was like, I'm going to do that one. And then as soon as that one's over, I'm hitting Daniel up. <laughs> like, Let's get one. <laughs> I was like, but I need, I need like a little step before I go to him because gyms haven't been open in six, six months. And I'm like, I need to, I'm like, I need to just do something that, you know, is going to make me happy before I go and, and do that because I know there's going to be days on your program where I'm like, oh, man, I don't want to run. I don't want to, don't want to run. <laughs> yeah. It is like that. Yeah. Some guys are, uh, they're surprised by the, uh, the workout. Um, yeah. it, you know, it's only an hour of people's time, but, uh, we make it count exactly. and, uh, as well rounded. I, I think that's the big push that I give a lot of people is, uh, the lists are well rounded. These are workouts. Like I think about the muscle groups, like once you know, learn the anatomy, it's the rest is biomechanics and anatomy. The rest is easy. Like training the body becomes really easy because you think, okay, this motion trains this muscle. And then I think about what different motions we need to create a total picture. And that's kind of how I built my program. But there's my, uh, there's my sales push. I just snuck that into this podcast and just, so. That was nice. It was smooth. Thanks. You've been working on it. I can tell you've been working on it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, dude, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put your the info for your book down in the description. And uh, so I'll make sure everybody knows where to find it and, you know, uh, whatever else we need to put in the description. So Awesome, dude. I appreciate, appreciate you having me on, dude. This was like, I think we originally we planned on like 30 to 40 minutes. This was two hours later. <laughs> always, dude. Always. Yeah, I always try to shoot for like an hour and then we get chatting, especially talking with guys from from the the brotherhood dude like it's kind of therapeutic just talking with you guys like i've been so you know kind of in my own world for so long starting this and kind of getting to connect with people like you and again is therapeutic yeah now you're pretty much like you know i talked to some buddies and stuff but as far as like sitting down and talking talking this is like the first time i've done that probably since i left yeah. And it's easy. You get away from it. You know, there's nobody out here in New York, really. Um, and at least not in my inner circle that, you know, has been through the same stuff. And, you know, all of a sudden it comes back and it's just like, it just starts flowing again, man. Everything. Yeah. We actually chatted for like half an hour before the podcast even started. I was like, hold on, hold on. We gotta, we gotta get this on recording. So yeah, it just flows. Yeah. It's easy. Yep. All right, bro. Well, I'll let you get back to the wife and, and doing other things. All right, brother. Well, I'll end my podcast here. I'm going to say a little spiel and then we'll, we'll end it. So if you guys have been listening this long, you're awesome. Hope you have a great day. Take care.